I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. At the beginning, when you try the first time the 500, Fourth is Sylvain Gintoli. Sylvain taking a second out of Tony Elias in one lap with five to go. Permission to become a complete fan. Uh, no, I am your mate. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Sylvain. Rostrum boy. I hope you're up early in Boston. Come on, Caroline. I'm sure you can chat loud enough. Put the bottle down. It's too early. Racing it. Life. Anything that happened before or after. Just waiting. Hey, 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 everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the show of record, the show that matters, and the show that puts you on pole position for the news, the commentary, and the opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. Yes, back once again. It is episode number 95. It is the Roger Lee Hayden edition of the show. And just like the circumstances around Roger Lee Hayden's non-appearance and, you know, sort of the same cloud of mystery surrounds our disappearance for the last, wow, almost two months now. So do want to apologize for that. But uh just want to say that uh haven't forgot about you guys, haven't forgot about the show. It's just that I've had to focus on a few other things, including uh, some opportunities to make some cash. Uh, because right now at the epicenter of the car, of the uh, carpocalypse, cash is king. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's no such thing as credit in Detroit. So, uh, you know, we gotta have the cash. And so I've been in, uh, out doing that, uh, working on some other projects as well. Uh, but haven't forgot about uh, the core, uh, that is Rumble Strip Radio. So thanks for everyone who's been sending me emails. Thanks to everyone on Twitter. Uh, who's been uh, sending notes and obviously I've had conversations with. Um, hadn't forgot about the show, but um, just, like I said, sidetracked with quite a few other things and uh, cash, trying to find some cash and make some cash was uh, chief among that. Um, <clears throat> Going to have a, a pretty solid show for you for a, a bit of a comeback episode. Have uh, a great interview I did yesterday, uh, late afternoon, early evening, uh, my time. With Chris Johnham, the editor of Road Racer X. Of course, Chris has been on the show before, and we were uh, uh, happy to get Chris back on. Had a, had a pretty long conversation with him. I think it's going to be almost an hour. I've got to double-check some of the editing on that. Uh, so we're going to keep our side of it short because a lot of what we wanted to talk about in the show we covered with Chris, and I think you'll enjoy the interview. A lot of good stuff going on there. But before we get to uh, to some of the news, some of the uh, thoughts that I have, have had in the interim, uh, let's take care of all the administrative stuff. Of course, the website, uh, www.rumblestripradio.com. That's where you can find um, all the information on the show, show notes, links to uh, a bunch of our friends, and uh, usually some entertaining pictures here and there. 
that we put up on the show. You can subscribe to the show on the website via the iTunes store or via your favorite RSS reader. You can also donate to the show there. There is a button there that says donate, and that will hook you up with our PayPal account. Uh, as I, you know, as I said, uh, been trying to find some cash, and uh, well, you know, if you could uh, spare five bucks, that would be uh, awesome as well. And uh, would always be much, much appreciated. Of course, on the iTunes store, if you're over there and subscribing, don't forget to leave us some feedback on the show uh, or an opinion on the show. We've had a few people who've emailed us that said, you know, we left something, but nothing's showing up there. And you know, sometimes it's a little slow to post stuff. But um, positive feedback or any kind of feedback on the show and, and ranking us and leaving comments there on the store for the show goes a long way to helping our visibility uh, within several different genres that we're listed in. So if you could do that, that would be as that would also be much, much appreciated. Of course you can always send us direct uh, feedback and that's at rumblestripradio at gmail dot com. We're over on the Twitters. You can always there's a button there. You can subscribe to our Twitter feed, which is rumblestrip which is twitter.com forward slash rumblestrip. So, oh, and you can also, sorry, I shouldn't forget this as well, um, on the on the website and underneath the show notes, there is a section you can leave comments there as well. If you'd like to leave them as public or if you want to keep them private, we you can just send them directly to me at rumblestripradio.com. So lots of stuff has happened since the last time we were together. No sense in breaking down all the races and, and what's, you know, and, and some of that uh, um, minute detail, which is sort of... Uh, Paint with some broad strokes about what's been going on in the world of motorcycle road racing. Let's uh, start with uh, the AMA series. Uh, I would actually like to talk a little bit more about the AMA series. However, their current television package um, pretty much precludes me from doing it because it's on on Saturday nights uh, late, and I'm typically not watching TV then. I've uh, you know either out. Um, you know, the, the girlfriend does prefer that to, you know, take her out occasionally, uh, out with friends, whatever, just not something to do. We do see it pop up, um, on some of the usual sites you can download stuff from. Um, just haven't been very motivated to do that. That being said, uh, so the feedback I'm getting from the racers, from people at the track and people who, you know, people who've gone as fans or people in, you know, working in the paddock have been that the racing has actually been pretty solid. Um, through all classes, you know, sometimes it gets spread out, but um, the reformulation, I'm not going to say it's working completely, but some of the results they're looking for are there. Uh, certainly in Superbike, the, uh, you know, Maladin's run away from a couple races. That's not to be unexpected, but other races, things have been pretty close. The, uh, this past race at Infineon, uh, Talking to some friends of mine who were at uh, at the races, and you'll hear from from Chris as well. The racing was really good. It was close. It was tight, and um, you know Matt Maladin's out there saying this is what I'm looking for. You know Ben's not here. Ben Spees isn't here, but you know we're seeing things from Blake and from Ben Bostrom and from Josh Hayes and Tommy, and you know that's that's what I want. I don't want to run away with a bunch of races. I want to battle with people for wins or you know podiums, and and he's getting that. A little bit, uh, you know, maybe not as much as he wants. Maybe it's not as much as everyone else would like to see, but it's it's there with the um, uh, sport bike, the you know, whatever the the former 600 class, which is you know, you can't call it a 600 class. We we, I guess that's one of the things we need to no longer think that think of that as a 600 super sport class. We just need to think that as the you know the DMG class. That's the best way to think of it as a DMG class. And the fears that everyone had of a Buell runaway have not happened. 
then again, we've the last two tracks we've been to, Barber and Infineon, are much tighter tracks, and the Buell cannot display its power advantage there that it could at some of the other tracks. We're going to Road America next, so we'll see what happens on you know on the big sweeping four mile circuit uh, in Wisconsin. Sadly, uh, due to some uh, announcing obligations I have, I'm not going to be able to go to Road America, which I typically that's one of the few that's one of the races I try to make every year because um, I love the track, good people there. Um, lots of good food around that area, but um, uh, got some announcing duties that I, that are going to preclude me from going there. Also, announcing duties precluding me from going to Miller. Once again, things that pay uh, take priority of things that don't. And uh, I know a lot of you would um, like to have me go to more of these events and cover them in person. Uh, I've had that feedback for them, and, and trust me, I would as well. Um, However, going out to Miller is at a minimum a six to seven hundred dollar event. Um, going to Road America probably four hundred, yeah, probably about four hundred for to go to uh, to Road America. Um, you know these uh, and and that money's got to come from somewhere, and we don't have advertisers on the show. If you would like to advertise on the show, well, it'd be great. Um, so you know it's coming essentially coming out of my pocket. I'm not complaining. Certainly, I'm not complaining. But I'm just saying I have a uh, cost benefit analysis to do on a lot of the stuff. Going, hmm, a lot of money going out, no money coming in, or I have an opportunity to work some jobs and have some money coming in. So that's that's why that works out. Uh, or that's why that's working out for me. So not complaining, not whining, just trying to state some facts there for you guys, just so you can understand a little bit where I'm coming from on some of these things. So. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, racing in, in the Daytona Sport Bike class, or as I'm just going to start referring to as the DMG class, uh, has been good, mixed up, lots of brands, which is obviously what they want. Um, Chris talks a little bit about some thoughts there when we, we discuss, you know, uh, the rules package for that. Uh, we've, we've beat that, you know, that, we've beat that dead horse probably more than we need to. And, um, you you get a flavor of, of where I'm going. That I mean, you know, sort of the takeaway that I'm going to come from at this point is we beat the crap out of the DMG for a lot of the jackass things that they've done. Uh, they've certainly screwed the pooch in a lot of ways. They and and you know, but we've been hearing for a while that a lot of other things have have gone reasonably well. Uh, certainly, a little more professionally run within the paddock, and times tend to you know. The timing of events seems to be uh, better in the actual running, the actual schedule of running of events. So, at this point, I think we need to take two steps back. And I'm not saying I'm going to stop criticizing, you know, or or, or being a, a bit of a watchdog on on all the stuff that's going on. But at this point, we need to let things settle down, uh, let them let them work themselves out uh, as how they're going to be worked out, and then come back at it um you know it's, it's one of those things of, of sort of what's going on with moto gp and a lot of other things in this world where everything we're so used to everything being instantaneously um we no longer have patience for anything so you know if a rule change doesn't work out exactly at the next race the next two races we want to change it again you, you know that you can't you got to let things sort out cost cutting measures means things should stay the same for a while because if you keep changing things over and over again that means you have to spend more and more money hello Dorna, um, I'm, just, I'm just saying. So with the DMG, we're going to sort of. I'm not. We're going to cover it, obviously, but I'm going to take a step back a little bit, see how it sorts itself out, 
what the results are. And then at the end of the season, I think we'll take a, a another hard look at it and say, was did this work? Did this not work? What could have been better? What could not have been? Um, certainly in, in some of our trips up to Canada this year, we're going to have an opportunity to talk to uh, Colin Frazier, who owns and runs uh, the Canadian series and is the you know, the race director for, for the DMG series here in America. And we'll try and get his takeaway from, from a lot of the stuff. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so uh that's that's sort of that uh, where that stands from world superbike obviously some of the races there have been absolutely spectacular um you know if you, if you're an american and you're a ben spees fan obviously man has that thing been blowing hot and cold for for everyone uh, obviously the, the the incident in assen where he was off by about four millimeters back end spun up as he got onto the grass there with the Pretty nasty crash there that I think everyone has seen, uh, especially from the uh, spectator cam that was uh, was right there to catch it. Uh, Monza, obviously, the issues with uh, running out of gas, and if you haven't heard about that deal, um, where he really got hurt there, uh, many of you probably know this, but I'll just for those of you who don't, Monza is notoriously a thirsty track, and and a lot of people have issues with running out of gas at that track. It's it's not like this is the first time that's happened. In fact, it happened to Leon Haslam in the same race on a Honda. So it's not it's not like it's a Yamaha issue. <clears throat> but what they do is they chill the tanks and they chill the fuels so that you can pack more fuel in. Typically, uh, they're saying about ten to fifteen percent more fuel can go in when the when the tank and the fuel are chilled when they're ready to go. What happened is after that first race with that nasty accident, red flag conditions, uh, by the time they got everyone back and regritted everyone and, and stuck fuel in, um, the, the fuel in the tank that was there, the tank itself had warmed. The, they hadn't had a chance to fuel the extra, they hadn't had a chance to chill the extra fuel that they were putting in. So that's why he came up probably half a liter short of fuel. Uh, you know, and they're coming into parabolic and he runs, uh, runs out of, runs out of fuel. That's what happened. Um, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that shouldn't happen. Um, maybe given the size of, of the lead he had, he may, he probably should have gotten some pit signals saying, Hey, you know, go to, go to setting whatever on your fuel just to save. Um, you know, they can, there's certainly, communication that could happen to say hey maybe you need to save some fuel because if you listen uh after he won in race two and he's talking to houseworth in park Ferme, uh he's talk he talked about how you know he was switching you know anytime he got over a certain you know he'd say you know i got plus three and then i'd switch to you know setting whatever i'd switch back between a couple settings and you know my i would it would shrink down and i'd go back to you know full gas and in the last two laps i just started short shifting it so um, once he was aware of what was going on, obviously from race one, he made those uh, changes in race two to make sure that he he won that. In um, this past race at, at Kyalami, uh, you know he had the proverbial fifty cent uh, part on the shifter brake, and that that's what caused him to go out of race two. Race one, hey, you can't win them all. He was reasonably competitive. You know he's he's competitive, but it just it was. They didn't have the setup for that track that they wanted, and hey, finishing on the podium isn't uh, isn't a bad thing. And I don't think anyone was really expecting Nori to do a double there, given that he still had uh, you know some. Uh, I believe the proper medical term is subdural hematoma on his arm or whatever from uh, from the bird strike at Monza. So 
Uh, you know, there's certainly some things that Ben has made errors. Uh, there's certainly some team errors that have been made. And, but at the end of the day, he's shaken things up over there, and that's that's good. On the other hand, Nori Haga is pretty much doing everything he needs to do to win a champ his first championship. Uh, he's been far, far, far more consistent than he's ever been. We haven't had any you know Nori moments that typically we'd ha- have had in the past. Um, and then the Super Sport. Uh, Super Sport this year has just been phenomenal. I mean, uh, granted, Eugene Laverty kind of ran away with the race at uh, at Kailami, but even you go back from them, the battles in that field have been great. That is really one of the premier things that if you're not watching, you need to be watching is World Super Sport this year has just been, excuse me, completely off the hook. It's been it's been great. Uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch this year. Um, if we slide over to MotoGP, uh, it's been pretty interesting, and there's a few things that I really want to spend some time talking about MotoGP. Um, Lorenzo is back. He's certainly, uh, you know, full. He's back at full confidence. <laughs> His success this year has been great, uh, and it's good to see that uh, he's he's going to push Rossi, and, and that's good because we need. Rossi pushed, especially from inside his garage, which has never really happened for him before. Be interesting to see how His Holiness Pope Valentino the Forty Sixth handles this. Um, I've actually been very, very impressed with Daddy Pedrosa. Um, yes, the Hobbit. And, and as I've said before, I don't have so much a problem with with Danny himself. I mean, yeah, his personality is not exactly the ba- the you know um, most outgoing. I guess would be a, a, a nice way of putting it. Uh, it's more the company that he keeps, and I think the company's keep have, is having a uh, uh, bad um, influence on him. So, and what was the joke? Oh, what? Do, oh, wow! Um, I'll have to come back to that. There's a joke in here somewhere that I just passed along. It was actually on Dean's site. Actually, as I'm uh, talking to you, I'll pull it up. If you didn't see it, this was actually really funny. It was on Dean's site. It was from uh, Julian Ryder. And I thought it was quite funny. I, I re, you know, I tweeted it, and uh, everyone else seemed to think that was it was pretty funny. So uh, it was from the nineteenth, so that would be Tuesday, and it was a joke that came from uh, sort of the Spanish. Ah, yes, the joke currently doing the rounds of the span at the Spanish end of the press office are question: Why are Doctor House and Alberto Puig so miserable? Answer: They both have bad legs, and Repsol Hondas in the garage. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, anyways, uh, but uh, Danny, to get back to on point, Danny has been actually very, very impressive this year. Uh, his knees all screwed up with uh, with some skin graft issues that that didn't properly heal. Um, he has not really been able to train at all in the off season, and yet we've seen the performance he's put in, especially that late race charge at uh, at Le Mans this past week and uh hey the kid looks good and it's one of those things of you may not like him he may not be my favorite you certainly may not like the company he keeps um but you cannot deny that the kid is showing a lot of grit this year a lot of determination and once again those are good things because the more people we see at the top challenging um the better. I'm not one of these guys who wants to see one guy dominate and run away and call. Oh, that's great. We see. I want to see, you know, the glory days of MotoGP in the you know the mid. Uh, let's say from the early to mid '80s. Call it the mid '80s through '92, '93. 
maybe even up to 94, where, you know, someone like Wayne Rainey, yes, he won three championships in a row, but if you look at it, he was only winning three, four, five races a year. It's not like he was winning eight, nine races a year. We had a lot of different people at the top, um, which is what you want to see. You want to see maybe the same three, four, five guys running at the top all the time, um, but let's see it mixed up of, you know, different people finishing in different spots on the podium. And we've seen that, um, you know, Casey obviously had his first uh, podium ever at Jerez. Uh, Ducati finally had a decent uh, event there. We need to spend some time talking about Ducati. Um, uh, you know, those sort of Valentino and, and really more Jeremy Burgess pulled uh, pulled one out of the hat uh, for that deal. Um, we also have to give some, some major, major props to Marco Melandri. Uh, the kid has been riding out of his mind this year. Um, certainly uh, Motegi uh, at Jerez. And uh, now, even at uh, at Lamar to finish on the podium on the, on the Hayat on the uh, Kawasaki, the Hayate team. It is the Hayate team, Kawasaki. And if Kawasaki doesn't come in here and start dropping some cash in there, or find some way to find some sponsorship to pay for some of these things, they're crazy because that bike is is performing very well. Uh, Marco certainly has a lot of motivation to give. Uh, you know, give the uh, two-finger salute back to uh, some of the people at Ducati for abandoning him. And, um, you know, I think Kawasaki's, you know, they're, they're definitely got the pirate flag flying up over over there on that team. And they sort of want to say, you know, hey, whatever. And and props to Marco for uh, for for uh, thanking Car- Carmelo Espaleta in the post-race conference um, at Le Mans for, you know, saying, hey, you know, if it wasn't for Carmelo, I wouldn't be here, the team wouldn't be here. Uh, certainly there were a lot of twisted arms going on in the, to make a lot of that happen, but I think at the end of the day, we're all very happy to see that. I think everyone's really happy to see Marco performing well and, you know, and, and back in form. And one thing that's been interesting is if you think back over the last few years, uh, three or four years especially, well, basically since Marco, actually going back to Marco's 250 career, typically the first three, four, five races, he's not, performed as expected and you hear him complaining about the the chassis the bike he doesn't like this he doesn't like it you have not heard any of that this year uh, on that Hayate bike or excuse me on the Kawasaki bike and the Hayate team which is pretty impressive which means they probably got most of the stuff right and you know that people like Anthony West and John Hopkins are like mother explicit you know who gives a monkeys sorry maybe I'll find the who gives a monkeys and drop it in there um but uh, you know, Marco's got a Marco had a point to prove. He had a, he had a career to rebuild, and uh, that's going very very well for him. So we, uh, Jorge's going well. Valentino, well, he is His Holiness Pope Valentino the Forty Six. The results are as they as you would expect. Um, Danny and uh, Casey has looked pretty solid. Um, you know, and and uh, as always, Casey is the only person that seems to be able to get that Ducati to work. Now let's let's spend some time talking about Ducati. Um, I am not dishing up a you know a, a, a two liter bottle of Haterade here. I am not. I'm simply looking at this as a as a fan of Ducati of, of a brand, of the brand and everything. However, and and we touched on this in the interview with Chris, you have to wonder if Ducati if the warnings that Valentino had in his autobiography granted it was a very self-serving autobiography but um 
you know, he warned, or one of the reasons he didn't want to sign with Ducati is he he thought they're a little bit too much like Honda, and they convinced themselves of how smart they are, and that this is the proper way the bike is, this is the way it needs to be ridden. You will adapt to the bike. Um, and the, and and if it's gone down that direction, this certainly wouldn't be the first time it's happened. It happened uh, a couple times in Superbike. Go back and read uh, some of the issues with you know on Foggy's. Go read go read uh, Foggy's autobiography, and you'll find some of that. And you'll find out you know Troy Corser and some of the other people that rode the bike uh, in the uh, early and mid nineties, and, and you'll understand a little bit more about that. But no one denies that the people at Ducati do you know so much more with so much less that it requires a lot of smart people. To, to pull something like that off and a lot of dedication and passion and things like that. The problem is sometimes you become so focused that you've convinced yourselves that, yes, this is the correct idea and, and kind of knock out uh, everything else around you. But what you what, where you have to look at this is you have to look at the two satellite bike guys. You have to look at your test rider, Goreski. You have to look at Nikki Hayden. And more importantly now, you have to look at Oh, and Marco from last year, certainly Loris from years past, and now Troy freaking Bayless. Now, granted, Troy hasn't been out riding, you know, motorcycles at the high end week in and week out. However, after three days, Troy Bayless is pretty much going to be up to speed and sorted out, and he's going to be going about as fast as he can on that bike. And when you look at the lap times, and I want to send you, if you had, if you didn't see it, go to MotoGPMatters.com. David Emmett did a nice breakdown of some lap times over the last year or so from Mugello for, uh, for, from people like Marco, for, um, Casey, for, uh, Canepa, um, Goreski and all, all these people where you have some test times, uh, and, and compares Bayless in there. And Bayless is not, certainly not completely at the sharp end like you would expect him to be. Um, you know, and Bayless is a guy who got on the 990 bike and won, ever, ever, you know, really having never rid it ridden it this 800 bike is a, is a completely different animal and for whatever reason casey stoner is the only one who can ride it now one way of looking at it is well the bike is winning so who gives a crap who gives the monkeys um the other end of that spectrum is you're not doing yourself any favors if you only have one guy who can ride that bike because what happens if casey falls down, gets hurt, whatever, and can't ride. Then what do you do? You go from a bike where it's winning races and finishing on the podium to barely can get it on the top ten, you know, if, if if the stars align. That's not a good thing. So, yes, it's great that Casey can ride it, but you need other people who can perform it as well. Honda certainly has gone down this road, you know, in, in the 800 era. They designed the bike for Danny, and Danny could ride it well, but you listen to the feedback from everybody else, and they all had the same issues with the bike, especially a lot of front-end issues, which have sort of translated into their uh, superbike program, which is kind of interesting. Uh, design philosophy or, or what, I don't know, you would think, but uh, let's let's not go down that rat hole yet. Um, so some things need to change at Ducati. Um, you know, everyone's like, well, look at Yamaha. Everyone can ride a Yamaha. You know, okay, Toslin isn't doing what he should, but you look at Edwards, you look at, uh, 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 Rossi, and you look at Lorenzo, and they all have some very different riding styles. Uh, the lines they take are different, and they, but they've all been performing very well, provided, you know, proper settings get put in on the, on the motorcycles. 
uh, i.e. engine mapping. Um, but it's not all, you know, there was a couple of years where, yes, it looked good once Valentino got in, things turned around there after, you know, not performing. And then the last, or you could say, what, 06 and 07, you know, they had their little fall off too. And it's only last year and this year that they've sort of been back on track completely. Um, but at least more people seem to uh, be able to go well on that bike. With Ducati, they're going to need to take a long, hard look if they aren't already doing already what's going on. And um, maybe they need to take a different design philosophy. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an engineer. I'm simply an observer saying... You know, look at the you know look at the results, look at the numbers, look at the quality of people you've had on the bike, and look at what they've done elsewhere. You know, Nicky Hayden. You don't you say what you want about the kid. Yes, he's not the fastest rider out there, but he's certainly one of the hardest working guys out there, uh, and he has a world championship to his name. Troy Bayless, yeah, a couple, three world superbike titles, uh, and a winner and a podium finisher in MotoGP. Certainly, Troy Bayless, no slouch. Marco Melandri. Uh, you know, title contender, uh, race winner, and you see what he's doing on the Hayate. Um, and we can go down, we can go down a list of other people who've, you know, you could look at Sete. I mean, granted, Sete's injured and he's not, we're gonna, you know, he's out for a couple races and whatever, but even he ha- hasn't gone like people would have expected on that motorcycle. And, you know, he's a guy who challenged Rossi. He was the last guy to really, you know, well, I say that he's a lot. He was in the 990 era. There was no other person who challenged Rossi like Sete. So, um, on a consistent, you know, week in, week out type of basis. So when you look at all that data, you maybe need to step back and, and rethink some things. I'm just saying, um, rumor of the moment, uh, now that we mentioned Sete is that, and this is a funny rumor. It's actually a really funny rumor, um, and I'm sure it's you know one of those things that we can find at notgonnahappen.com, but you know the guy is is thinking about it. Uh, but there is a rumor floating around that uh, Randy Mamola might replace Sete Giber now at Mugello. Now you say, yeah, what's this old man going to be doing on a bike? That doesn't make sense. Well, think about it. Um, Randy has done work for Bridgestone. He does work for, he might even be under contract at Ducati because he's doing the two-seater rides. Um, you know, he's definitely has some time because he's not on the Eurosport thing. Yes, he has his, his son is out riding, but, um, odds are he, he would be at the track anyways. This is a big weekend for Ducati. Um, you know, Randy is also has a lot of ties with, uh, in, in Spain. Uh, owning, I think they own a house there. Uh, his son is racing over there. Uh, and he would be an acceptable, I think he'd be more than acceptable replacement rider for, you know, Sete's team with the Nietos, uh, who he's friendly with, certainly with, uh, the, the main sponsor, the Fernando Hernesco, whatever the construction company is there. Yes, probably, uh, absolutely not going to happen. We'll probably see one of the Nieto cousins, uh, i.e. Fonzie riding it, but, it's an interesting rumor. Speaking of other interesting rumors, and we'll bring you know, and I'll just preview this. There is a rumor floating around um, about Colin going to Aprilia World Superbike next year, which is uh, which is pretty interesting in the timing on, on a couple different things. If you watch the Eurosport coverage of uh, of Kyle Lamy and, the, and the, their post race thing, Colin Wright, who's the manager of the uh, 
uh, of the GSE Airways Yamaha team and BSB just flat out called for uh, Max B IGDP replaced that that the uh, the way that he sees the R the RSV4 Aprilia is that 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 is capable of winning races uh, and that Max Biaggi is not the man who's going to be doing that. Um, he actually called for a younger kid in there and I said Chaz Davies. You know, a lot of people are, are saying Johnny Ray and obviously a lot of other younger names being floated around. But certainly uh, Colin Edwards' name is being floated in there, whether it's to replace Max or Makoto, De, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Shinin Nakano, uh, don't know. It's uh, it's certainly a rumor and, and you'll hear Chris talk a little bit about that. Um, I guess finally the last thing I want to talk about before we get to an interview with Chris is uh, World Superbikes coming up at Miller Motorsport Park, and a lot of Americans going to be there. Um, good to see Jamie Hacking is going to be re, re, um, replacing Makoto Damata, who's still injured from the uh, Monza crash. And Jake Zemke will be once again subbing for John Hopkins, who's not quite ready to come back on the Stiggy bike. Uh, Melissa Paris got a wild card ride for World Supersport, and she, uh, according to the reports, will be the first woman to ride in World Supersport. And I um, thought that I didn't. I thought that Katja, I knew Katja uh, Pogson had ridden in 250. I thought she had snuck in a 600 Supersport ride, but I guess I was incorrect on that. But um, let's let's hope uh, Melissa has a good outing there. She's certainly uh, uh, talented enough, and and if she can sneak into the top 20, I'd say that would be uh, a really, really, really solid result for her. And a few other people have been rumored. Uh, Matt Maladin was rumored for the Suzuki ride. You can read uh, uh, why that's not going to happen. Uh, Tommy Hayden or Blake Young possibly subbing for uh, uh, Kirchner. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the uh, with that second All Star ride. But uh, anyways, that's kind of the comings and goings. Of what's been going on over the last bit, and some of my thoughts on some things. Uh, with that, let's dive into our interview with Chris. Well, back with us once again on Rumble Strip Radio is the editor of one of the best print magazines that's still left. There actually are a couple print magazines uh, left in the U.S. that cover motorcycles and, and motorcycle road racing. Uh, we're very happy to have Chris Johnham, the editor of Road Racer X, with us here today on Rumble Strip Radio. Chris, thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Good. Um, lots of uh new and exciting stuff going on over at the at the magazine and and I guess really what uh and and really leveraging into the sort of the future and that's uh, a big redesign on your website that's gone on here in the last month or so. Yeah, it's uh probably a bit overdue but uh, it's something that we've been working on for quite some time and we we know it is important and uh we're really pleased with the look and we're trying to do our best to make sure the content uh is up to par as well and um We've gotten a lot of good feedback so far, uh, and we've got a, one of the nice things about this site is kind of behind the scenes. It's a lot easier to to modify and update, and um, therefore we're going to really try to use that to our benefit to keep it um, evolving and changing with the times. So the, the 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 road race crowd is is not always the biggest one for changes. They tend not to like a lot of changes, and we're, we'll talk a little bit about some some of that stuff in the you know for a different subject, but uh, along the same lines. But uh, so far, overall, generally, everyone likes the redesign. Yeah, I mean, it's not completely unanimous, but by far, uh, the majority of the comments I've got back have been positive. I think uh, there's always a little bit of um, res- resistance or a little bit of a learning curve, we'll say, with a, a new site just in. Uh, you know, you're used to the old way, and now you got to learn your way around the new one. But uh, 
I think for someone, anyone coming in fresh, uh, there's really no no comparison as far as um, getting around it, uh, and also just the look. Sure. And um, you know, uh, there's always, like I said, there's always a little bit of a learning curve, but um, I think that uh, most people agree that it was a it was a good move for us. And um, you know, like I said, the, the uh, we're going to do our best to keep keep uh, the content uh, at a high level and a high quality level, and um, and keep the, the site changing and uh, give give the readers the best uh, experience we can. Um, no, that that's good. Uh, any anything. Um... All the all the content obviously came over from the old site. It's laid out a little differently, and, and I guess it takes a, like you say a, a little bit to get used to it. But um, are there additional features that you've added with the redesign that you didn't have or weren't able to do on the old site? Um, as far as new areas or anything like that, not a whole lot. There's a blog, you know, um, and uh, and and uh, that's really about it at the moment. But we do have a couple. Uh, coming down the pike that I don't really want to talk about yet. <laughs> All right. Just uh, you'll know when you see them. Um, but um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's little little uh, little aspects. For example, you can comment um, on stories, and you can, uh, the, 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 the photo enlargement feature is pretty cool where you click on a photo and it gets bigger. Um, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot more kind of like small picture stuff, and then obviously the, the just the appearance of it and navigating around uh, the site. Yep. Um, one of the things that uh, was on the on the website this, this week uh, was uh, your Tuesday conversation with Matt Maladden after the Infineon race. I thought it was a, a really good interview, and, and you know Matt has been doing a lot more publicly with, uh, with his blog and with Twitter and stuff like that. Um, talk a little bit about that interview you did with him. Yeah, well, I, I I spoke to I figured it was I was up at Infineon. I figured it was time uh, we got to hear from Matt and uh, spoke to him after the Sunday race. He his streak was ended on Saturday, as you know, and um, in Suzuki's streak, um, and he had a really tough race on Sunday uh, that he came out on top of, but was chased hard the whole race by um, by uh, Ben Bostrom and then Tommy Hayden and. Um, and you maybe you wouldn't expect it, but it was actually he was in one of the best moods I've seen him in maybe ever. I mean, he was. He was uh, really uh, complimentary of his competition. Um, he was um, uh, very surprising to me. He was complimentary of uh, AMA Pro, the new owners, DMG. Um, he um, talked a bit about why he's not going to, why he chose not to uh, race at Miller Motorsports Park in the uh, in the Superbike class. He was uh, people. A lot of people don't know that uh, All Star was interested in having him do a ride, a, a wild card ride at first, and then when. Um, when uh, Max Neukirchner was uh, injured, there was talk about him doing a substitute ride, and he talked about why he opted not to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, he was just in a in a really um, personable, uh, good mood. And um, I think what it comes down to is Matt likes a, a good challenge, and he's getting that um, this year. And uh, maybe he he says it's not a surprise to him, but it was a bit of a surprise to me that he's getting such good racing from. From some of the guys, and uh, you know Ben Bostrom and Tommy, and then uh, Blake Young was out uh, with his injured finger, but he's been racing Matt hard this year, and uh, and uh, you know he's he got beat Saturday, but uh, it's definitely not a change in the, of the guard yet, as, as Matt kind of alluded to. Yeah, Matt Matt's Matt's always been um, he 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 wasn't sort of a like a. Uh, 
uh, a doing or even a stoner where they just want to get out in front and win by a hundred seconds. They, he's he's a guy who'd rather like scrap it up for you know going to the last lap and win by half a wheel. Yeah, in that interview, he said. I mean, obviously, he doesn't want to stand back, but he wants he wants people to challenge him. And he in that interview, he said um, something to the effect of, "I wouldn't trade the last three years of, of losing the championship to to Ben for my six championships." In other words. It's he he appreciates the last three years more than he does the championship years almost just because it was just such hard work. He's a guy that just really likes to to have to work hard and um, and obviously then uh, made him do that. You you alluded to Suzuki's uh, fifty five race win streak being ended. If you were to list the top three or four people that you would be you would you would like to see do that, certainly Josh Hayes. It has to be I don't know one two on that list. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, not you can't really get a, a nice, find a nicer guy than Josh, and he's obviously been way way overdue for a uh, for a factory superbike ride for years, and he finally got it this year. And it kind of looked at the first couple of races like it wasn't that much of a uh, of a treat uh, for him, but um, I'm happy to see that, uh, that that Yamaha seems to have got their act together, and um, and uh, he and Ben are both feeling comfortable, and and I. Talked to Josh a little bit on or Saturday night after his win, and he was uh, he was on cloud nine, and deserved, deservedly so. Doesn't quite make up for Daytona last year, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure it helps cushion the blow a little. I'm sure there's some Yamaha bonus money in there that'll help cushion that blow, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's Daytona 200 bonus money, but uh, yeah, exactly. it's probably better. Poke in the eye. Exactly. Um, one last thing in the in your interview with uh, with Matt, he alluded to, and, and I think you you would agree that the one of the reasons that he's you know started blogging and, and done a Twitter thing is that uh, media is changing greatly, uh, has changed a lot, will continue to change a lot. Um, made some comments about uh, about the media going forward, just in you know how it's going to be handled and, and and opportunities that are there for not you know just for everyone, including the racers. I mean, what was your takeaway from that? Well, it was interesting, and um, you know I don't think there's any argument. I mean, he's absolutely right. There's no question. Um, changing in many ways and uh the media is one of those and um you know we media guys can either sit around and complain about it or we can try to do uh our best job of adapting to it and and and, um getting the most out of it and um i think that uh that's that's the challenge and and we're going to sure do our best obviously the website uh redesign was a small uh example of uh of doing that but um there's going to be much more uh, important ways of doing that in the next few years, I think. And um, I mean, I think it's as a, from a fan's perspective, I think it's great that somebody, let's say you're a Matt Maladin fan, he's got a blog, he's got a Twitter page. I mean, it's great to be able to access this, you know, his thoughts firsthand um, or first first person. You know, um, I think that uh, there's always going to be a place for good content, and um, you have to uh, you have to identifying what that what is good content and creating it is is a challenge but um if you're able to do that i think you're always going to remain relevant um we're fortunate with the magazine uh we're probably less affected um than some uh, other publications because we never have been a news magazine obviously news is important there's nothing wrong with it but uh that seems to be the area that's really been the most affected like for example newspapers in the mainstream media are really having a hard time um Glossy magazines are also uh, having to, to hustle to, to remain relevant, but um, 
not so not as much as, as the newspapers and um, I think that uh, our content has always been more about lifestyle and pulling back the velvet rope and letting the readers uh, feel like they're sitting there at the uh, you know Ducati Marlboro hospitality table or whatever or, or in the uh, the Fiat Yamaha garage uh, you know or whatever it's 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 about um, the lifestyle and capturing the atmosphere of the races and kind of getting fixing people's uh, road racing Jones between weekends or whatnot. Um, and uh, the website um, is also uh, different. I mean, there's there's great websites out there, and our job is to try to, um, to, to offer something that's different, that's relevant, and um, that it makes it worth a reader's while to, uh, to go there. And that's what we're, it's, I'm confident that we're going to continue to do that with, with uh, roadracerex.com. Um, but uh, you know, it's great. It's great to be able to to, to hear from um, from racers firsthand, and I think that that is only going to benefit the the, the fans. Um, I think that stuff like um, Matt also, I, I've heard him say that he appreciates the on the throttle mm-hmm. TVs. You know, the 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 uh, it, it, it basically. I think that it's great to have good coverage on television, and I, <laughs> that's a, that's a separate topic. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, get to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, it tends to be just the flag to flag stuff for the most part, and I think that it's really important um, if you want to grow your sport or grow your series to, to let reader, let fans um, access the personalities of the sport yeah. and um, feel like they they know the riders and. Uh, you don't do that by watching them race around the track. No matter how much you might appreciate their talents, um, you want to know the person, as other mainstream sports have uh, shown us so well. Um, and I think stuff, you know, whether it's that on the throttle TV stuff or the um, the blogs, uh, I think that all those will just help the uh, the fans to. Enjoy the sport, and it will help the sport as well. Yep, I I, I would say uh, it, it's funny because um, with with Matt doing the blog, the Twitter, and and now on the and, and on the throttle as well, all of a sudden, all these people who you know, I hate Matt Maladin. Matt Maladin's an explicit of deleted. You see him coming around. No, he's pretty funny. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a pretty nice guy. I'm like, you know, I feel like I've been banging my head against a wall for the last decade, saying if you talk to Matt, you know, on a early on a Friday or a Sunday after a race or even Saturday after the day's done when he's not working. He's actually a really nice guy and he's pretty funny. You just, you know, everyone wants to bug him five minutes before he's ready to go out on the track and, you know, walk away with that impression. So that's a really good distinction. In fact, uh, you know, it's almost kind of a flawed uh, model they have where when you talk to the riders, like you say, right before they're about to, you know, they're on the grid or whatever, uh, or, I mean, this is as far as like a a television commentators, uh, you know, talking to them, or the the interview after the race when they just you know maybe they had a bad race and they're and they're not at their best you know so and that's obviously when they get a microphone shoved in their face and um, and you're right I mean it's when you do get to to uh, you know Matt is super competitive and in those moments he might not be at his best but you're right if you talk to him at the right time he's uh, he's a great guy I was I was you know for this interview we've been talking about I was fortunate to hit him at a good time but. Um, He's a good guy. Most most of the guys are, and and like everything else, these guys, you know, they have their work environment, and guys differ differently, and, you know, guys who concentrate hard, don't don't mess with them when they're getting ready to go to work. Yeah, yeah. And there's different personalities, and some guys are just naturally better at it. Uh, You know, 
Matt's doesn't doesn't always come across as super personable, but uh, his you know he's obviously got the on the track talent to, to make up for that, and he's not a bad guy when you, when you get him really at, you know when he's himself. So. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the DMG, the AMA, whatever they, you know, however we want to discuss that. Uh, you know, it seems like the, the AMA is going back into racing, even though they said they were getting out of it with some of the vintage stuff they're doing. But that's a oof, that that's a rat hole we don't need to go down to go down. But um, uh, obviously, uh, a lot has been said, written, talked about, whatever over the last. 12, 14 months of this stuff, and you and I kind of came out on, on on opposite ends of the stuff. You, uh, where where I originally came out positive, I kind of flipped pretty quickly to a negative standpoint on a lot of stuff. You stayed neutral to positive on a lot of stuff, and um, I guess it's more working out in your direction than my direction, I would say. Um, maybe, you know, I mean, in some regards, for sure, but, uh, I mean, we, we alluded to the television um, uh, yeah, package well, yeah. or, or lack thereof, and now yeah, you definitely are uh, on the right side on that one. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, at the you know at the weekends, it's it's good. I mean, um, the first couple races, it was a bit of a uh, it, it was it was a bit concerning. Uh, Daytona and uh, California or uh, Auto Speedway, I guess it's called now. Yeah, um, lucky everyone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it was a bit concerning, but those races, if you, if you really are honest, I mean, those races are really never that good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as far as having a, a, a good, solid crowd and a lot of, uh, you know, positive vibe and everything, they're, they're never that good. Um, funny but they how, haven't been for... Funny how Southern California, where you think would be the big thing for motorcycle racing, always says about the worst attendance of any race on the it's, schedule. Yeah, it's a shame, and I don't know, that's that's something that, that uh, is obviously going to have to be worked on in the future years, but... Overall, I mean, I was up at Infinity on this raceway, and, you know, the Bay Area has always had a really strong sport bike mm-hmm. uh, environment or in, um, population, and um, and that track has always done a really good job of just doing the dirty hard work of promoting. It sounds simple, but uh, it, it's very hard work to get the word out there and and let people know about the event, and then to, uh, once they get there, to give them, make sure they have a really positive experience, and Infineon has always been really good at that, and they had a, a great crowd. I mean, uh, what I understand, it was the best crowd so far this year. Matt said it was the best crowd he's ever seen at Infineon for a motorcycle race, um, and uh, I don't know if that's accurate, but it's a it's it was a good it was a good event uh, with very good racing, a good vibe, and um, at least in some ways, I think yeah that uh, the new owners have have got some things right, uh, as Matt said in that interview, you know, um, which was kind of surprising. Um, they, uh, the, the racing is absolutely uh, great. I mean, and uh, particularly in the sport bike class, uh, there. I think on Saturday there were six manufacturers in the top seven. Um, there was close racing throughout the race, close racing throughout the pack. Uh, there's been different winners on different types of bikes. Um, and uh, the, I mean, if you watch that race on that that superbike race on Sunday. Uh, which I guess if you weren't there, you, you didn't. Yeah, we'll see um, that in about three weeks, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, then you, 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 it's hard to really uh, imagine uh, closer racing. Um, they just have to get a television package, and um, that's uh, something that I doubt that they're unaware of. <laughs> I think that they're well aware that they that they need to do that, and I think it was a matter of just being behind the eight ball and um, getting all the contracts 
tied up at such a late date uh, this year because of, I guess, probably how long things dragged out with the back and forth on the rules package. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of put them behind the eight ball, and by the time they were ready to put the package together, everything was taken. So, um, you know, hopefully that's a temporary problem, um, and they can get their they can kind of uh, get their learning curve going this year and get some of the stumbling uh, blocks behind them. And uh, next year we'll have a better package and um, a solid series. I, I want to come back to a couple of those things you mentioned here in a second, but uh, uh, I think first I want to talk a little bit about the rules the rules package for racing this year. Um, you mentioned the racing has actually been pretty good this year. Um, I guess the most controversial package, I mean, the, the, the American sport bike, okay, we can debate whether Superstock is you know good or bad or whatever for your premier class, but I don't know, it worked out pretty good for BSB last year. Um, and it seems to be working again. You know that that seems to apply in, for the for the American series this year. But obviously, the big controversy was over the Daytona Superbike rules and the different engine specifications. And especially when you look at the the for the V twins with a uh, with eight four eight only for a Ducati uh, and a Prilly can only run a thousand, but a Buell's allowed eleven hundred and twenty five cc. So um, you know, and everyone was always especially with the way Danny did uh, performed at Daytona and, and at Fontana. Um, Everyone thought, oh, Buell Runaway, they've had, they basically, you know, Harley Davidson wrote a check so they could win a championship, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, thankfully, it hasn't quite worked out that way, you know, yeah. since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm neutral on that. I mean, there's, there's obviously uh, uh, a lot, uh, it's hard to really um, settle that argument, but um, I guess what you ultimately have to do is look at the results. And um, I think if, if things would have continued like they did at a couple of races with the Buell, um, then uh, it would have definitely not been acceptable. I think that, uh, I guess there's a couple things. First, I mean, as far as motivation goes, I think that, yeah, uh, AMA Pro does have a good relationship with Buell. They're both, uh, they have a history and whatnot, and I'm sure they, they want to have it at the competitive American company there. But I don't think that, um, that, that AMA Pro, by any stretch of the imagination, is desirous of a situation where one manufacturer, even if it's Buell, is uh, is kicking everyone's butt. They want to. They will, I mean, their mantra is close racing, mm-hmm. and uh, and so <clears throat> excuse me. They said that that they're, if, if one manufacturer starts to run away with it all, then they're going to make adjustments. And they they made one adjustment already. Um, and if there's if there's if it's necessary, they'll probably make more. Um, it's you're not going to keep everybody happy because there's some people that feel like the, making the adjustments is artificial by going in there and tampering with the rules. It's like NASCAR. You know, you're um, you're, uh, you're leg- legislate parity. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I mean, like I said, I think Saturday there were six manufacturers in the top seven. There's it seems like they actually got it pretty close to. Maybe. I mean, so far. I mean, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, it's it's what it, I think. It, if you look at it as a 600 class that has a 1200 in there, then you're not going to like it. I mean, you're not you're not going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And it's actually not that. It's a it's a formula class that has lots of different bikes in there. Now, the Buell absolutely has a horsepower advantage. You can't have a bike that has twice the displacement and, and not have that. It has a, it has a torque advantage. Um, 
what it appears well, yeah, so uh, to be the case, um, judging from what we've seen so far, is that the Buell is doesn't handle well enough to make it competitive on tracks like Infineon um, or Barber, and um, so therefore it might work out to be uh, to, to be workable, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think you still I still think you kind of have to reserve judgment and see how it goes throughout the, the whole series, you know. I mean, I think it's still a little bit too early to say. Um, it would also, it's, even if it uh, turns out to be true what I just said, then it's still not good if you have, say, a Suzuki kicking everybody's butt on the tight tracks and then a Buell kicking everybody's butt on the fast tracks because sure. that doesn't equal close racing. Yeah. Um, but it, it, that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be close racing so far on both types of tracks. Now, the Buell didn't appear to be competitive at competing on. I mean, it was quite a ways back, uh, whereas the Japanese four-cylinders have been closer to being competitive on the fast tracks. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I'm, I'm definitely, don't worry, I'm not saying that they need to uh, take weight away from the mule, but um, it, it uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of have to sit back and see, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a traditional class, and it's not something that's a known, and it's something that we're just going to have to give it some time and see if it works out. If it has close racing, Will that result in more fans? That's what DMG thinks, and I don't know. We'll just see. And at the end of the day, too, you can't have too many knee-jerk <coughs> reactions based off one or two races. You got to let everything settle and and give teams time to develop this stuff so that it, you know the natural ebb and flow of, of development and 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 how it's all going to work out over time will just you know kind of work itself out naturally, anyways. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talk about. Uh, Internet technology and whatnot. I guess one of the downsides to it is it makes people pretty impatient because they, they want to know everything right now. But the good thing is we've we are at least racing and we're talking about racing now. And um, the, it was so you know so long it felt like we were just talking about the rules and the back and forth between the manufacturers and DMG. And I'm just thankful that now at least we've got some on the track stuff to talk about as well. You know. Yep. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to talk about some of the things that are that have been going on on going on on the track and kind of off the track as well in a second. But let's let's wrap up on that on the TV package we talked about. Uh, of, of all the things that happened, that's, that's probably the biggest uh, mess up that's happened. I'll, I'll be kind and just call it a mess up <laughs> um, that that that's happened. I think there's some things that could have been done to to solve that issue, but. Um, in in this day and age, when you know, if you can't see it live on TV, you can certainly see you know events live on the internet. Um, having to wait a couple of weeks, I don't care how nice your prepackaged stuff is, is kind of unacceptable. Absolutely, it's it's just unacceptable. And um, and uh, you know, I understand that there were reasons for it, and uh, I certainly hope that they're not happy with that, and that uh, that they're going to work on doing a better job next year. Um, I suspect that what happened was like with a lot of other things with the series, uh, contracts just uh, were, were on hold until everything else got worked out, like with the rules and whatnot. And, um, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's why Honda was able to drop out. He didn't, Honda didn't drop out of motocross, Honda didn't drop out of supercross, uh, because that was all put in place months earlier, you know, whereas the, the road race thing kind of dragged on and on and on. And, um, by the time they were ready to put stuff together, the economy had turned south, and um, people were said, "Well, I guess this is one one place where we can back out of and save." Just too late, and um, everything was taken. And um, you know, I mean, outdoor motocross has a great TV package this year, including some live coverage on 
network TV, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's not impossible. Uh, you just need to do do your homework and and, and do it early. Um, what what about I, what about maybe? And and I say this because <laughs> while I don't have the channel, I'm getting a ton of feedback from one of the other shows I do, which covers four wheel racing. Um, apparently, Versus is knocking uh, IRL coverage just way out of the park. Uh, everyone everyone is like really really impressed with the job they're doing. What about you know? Do you think that they should approach? Uh, Versus and seeing if they can get there, where they're not going to play fourth tier to uh, to some of the other things that maybe Speed Channel is more focused on with all the NASCAR coverage they're sort of obligated to do because of the multi billion dollar contract Fox has with with NASCAR. Well, to be honest, I mean that certainly makes sense to me. I mean I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert on on all this stuff. You know, I I, I think that uh, it needs to be accessible uh, in a timely fashion. I don't really know uh, what. Versus distribution is like, um, or uh, availability is like uh, around the country. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, you know, watched Tour de France coverage on there for for years, and um, and uh, if that if you can't get it in one place, go with another place. But uh, um, I, I think that's you know that's one nice thing about the on the throttle TV stuff that they're kind of filling a bit of a hole. But uh, it's uh, it's just yeah. I mean, I again, I, I'm not an expert, and I don't I don't really know. Um, at what what kind of a balance you have to strike between uh, timeliness and um, coverage, mm-hmm. as far as you know, uh, household households that have the, this, the channel, but uh, it seems like uh, there's really no no argument that uh, or no question that what they've got now is not acceptable. Now, at the same time, I've heard I've heard people say that the 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 viewership is actually up <laughs> with the with the with the uh, AMA Pro primetime. Um, Compared to last year's uh, more timely coverage, which I imagine you could probably attribute to the fact that uh, more people are probably at home flipping through the channels on a on a Saturday night than there are in the middle of a Sunday or whatever. Um, so uh, <clears throat> you know it, that's that's good, and and I'm, if it's true, I'm glad that the that they're getting it in front of more people. But I certainly hope that um, that uh, is not still not that alone is not acceptable to them I mean I think that uh, that you're gonna lose your hardcore fans if you don't do a better job of giving them timely um, television coverage yeah and I think you can you can stay down and you know they, they can just really go across the hallway in the offices down there in Daytona and find out how well it's worked out where you've sacrificed hardcore fans for the the new and trendy fans and now that the new and trendy fans have left NASCAR that they're looking, oh, where did all of our hardcore fans go? You know, you can, it, it, it's okay to, you know, I'm sure you're going to have to lose a few hardcore fans to gain some new ones. I mean, that, that always happens, but just, you gotta, you gotta strike a balance there. And, you know, they, maybe, uh, hopefully they've learned their lessons with the, with their other series. So. Yeah, absolutely. Although I sure would love to have, uh, have NASCAR's problems and have, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, that's yeah. a good point. Well, have I don't know. You, you got, uh, 10% year over year, like three years in a row trending down in, in TV, uh, Ratings, uh, yeah, I guess that's a good problem to have if they were that high to begin with. But still, that's what I mean. Just the overall numbers are still, uh, I think, going to dwarf anything that we're that we're gonna that we've got. But uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I think I think it's very important that you don't sacrifice the hardcore fan for the for the. You gotta you gotta grow your sport. You gotta grow your product, but um, you also have to acknowledge who got you there. You know. Yep. Exactly. Um, let's move on and actually talk about uh, some stuff that's going on and on and off the track. Um, the first one we're, I'm gonna I gotta ask you about because. Uh, well, since Daytona, I bet you I get somewhere between three and five emails a week on this asking me, 
what's the story with Roger Hayden? I figured you were a good guy to ask because you are you know the family, you know everyone there, and well, you even wrote a book about the about <laughs> the guy. So I figured if there's one person who might know the skinny of what happened there, um, you would be it. So can can you shed any light on what's happened with Roger? You know, not only. Um, you know, leading up to the season, but you know, missing the first couple races, and even now, uh, results maybe not being what everyone would expect them to be from him. It's funny. I, you know, I probably get the same the same guys that are emailing you are probably sending them to me too because I, I see the same stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, although I did, uh, here's although I wrote the book, the book came out before this uh, this thing. So obviously, yes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know what, man? I am not kidding. I. I do not know, and um, I kind of made it a point of not knowing. I mean, when it came out, when the whole thing um, happened, I, it struck me as odd. It struck me as maybe, you know, I don't really agree. If it were me, I would probably, well, I don't know what it is, but if it were, I can't imagine that it's something that bad. I would probably get it out in the open um, instead of having people. I think that probably what the things that we all imagine are probably a lot worse than what the reality is, uh, but um they chose not to do that. I can respect that. And, you know, we're, we're journalists and we're a publication, but we're not, uh, we're, we're not investigative journalists. We're not the New York Times. And um, if, if somebody's personal life, um, if somebody wants to keep something private, then, um, then I'm going to respect that. Uh, and so rather than just uh, find out about it and then try to keep it a secret, I just kind of made a point of, you know, I'm not going to really try if I find out fine. I don't, no problem, and um, I haven't. I, it's uh, kind of funny to say, but I just uh, I have no idea. And I've I've seen enough uh, guesses out there that are all over the map. That even if one of them, I mean, maybe one of them is true, but they're so different from each other that uh, that I still have no idea. You know. Yeah, I, I guess the one the one of the ones that upset me the most, just from a you you know, I understand why the speculation might be there, but you, if you have ever met. Anyone in that family, you would know this could never happen. But um, I've seen, I've had multiple emails alleging, you know, well, maybe Roger's got a substance abuse problem. And and my thought is, I've met everyone in that family, his, you know, all his brothers, all his all his sisters, you know, uh, uh, Rose and um, and pops. And I'm like, there's no way that anyone in that family would let anyone have any kind of substance abuse program because they'd be pummeled. Yeah. It, it, it sure seems hard to imagine. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, just, I, I figured we got to get that one out there just because and, and throw up the, the, you know, the, the Bravo Sierra flag on that and just yeah. you get that one dismissed right away. Yeah. I mean, I, that sure would be at the bottom of the list if I were to draw up a, a list of likely scenarios, you know, but it, I've seen just crazy stuff and, and who knows, maybe one of them is true, but I just uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's move up the rung uh, one ladder on on that family of, of brothers and go to the the middle middle son of Nikki. Uh, obviously, the last whoa eighteen months or so of his life have not been the best and have not continued really even in a move Ducati. On the other side, um, Troy Bayless's testing at Mugello really kind of showed that well. Casey's the freak. Everyone else can't get along with the bike. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that seems to be, I mean, and, 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 and Troy's testing and both, uh, and, you know, Marco last year, and Marco just had got a podium this year on a different bike. Uh, uh, and then, you know, before that, Laura struggled with it, too. So um, it does seem to be a very particular bike, and I, you know, Ducati is aware of that, and they're, 
working hard to make it adaptable. They they certainly have done. They're doing everything they can to help Nikki. They've got they switched his crew chief this last race, and um, and uh, they're they, they they don't want to be known as a having the bike that's uh, impossible to ride for anybody except the you know the alien or whatever. Right. Um, but uh, I mean, it's that's not to take anything anything away from Casey. I mean, he's figured it out and he's able to make the thing work. Um, and uh, you know, I think that part of it might be um, it's it seems to the. The, the technique that it requires, whatever it is, seems to be very, very particular, and it seems like, and I mean, it's got very advanced traction control, and the, the rider's relationship with the traction control seems to be very uh, influential. And, um, you know, the, the one guy who seems to be doing okay on it, not great, but okay, is uh, Mika Kalio, and he's, he's a guy that's just new to the class, and um, his experience is on, um, you know, 125s and 250s. Uh, most of the guys that have been on the factory team, apart from Casey, who only had, I think, one or two years uh, in the big class before then. One year. Um, one year, yeah. The, the, most of the guys that have been on on the factory team, they've all been guys that have learned habits uh, and that may be bad for that bike. I mean, um, it, it's, it's hard to, after years of getting flicked in the middle of a corner, um, to... to to make yourself hold the throttle wide open before the apex or at the apex, you know? Yep, yep. Um, and that's not to say that if you can make yourself do it, that that's going to solve all the problems because, you know, Nikki's got flicked and uh, Marco got flicked a few times. So uh, it's not just a matter of saying, okay, I will hold it open. Obviously, you have to do something else at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, just, the, the laws of physics don't get put aside just because the electronics say they have to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it, they, they might control the power somewhat, but not... Not uh, infinitely, so um, it's still possible to crash and crash hard, as Nikki's found out a couple times um, with that bike. So I don't know. I mean, I do know that uh, if if um, if hard work can solve it, then Nikki will get around it because, uh, as I I think that he is proof that um, hard work can still get you a world championship these days. You know, I mean. It probably didn't help with all the rules changes about testing and stuff that happened that uh, I think uh, Toby Moody and Julian Ryder have calculated that uh, he probably lost 3,000 kilometers of testing track time uh, with, with the reduced uh, testing schedule, preseason testing schedule. And the, for the first couple of races of, you know, el- completely eliminating the, the Friday morning session and, uh, well, up until Lamar having st- the others cut back to 45 minutes. I mean, okay, then you really, you know. Yeah. How much yeah. more do you want to hammer me on a bike that you know I've got to learn how to ride? That's you know next to impossible to ride. So yeah. Plus the fact that uh, a lot of the races have had rain, so that a lot of the sessions have been not super useful. And and yeah, I mean, and and, and considering the number of laps that Nikki typically does in testing, it's probably more like he lost like six thousand right? because he, he usually gets twice as many as everybody else. But you know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to make excuses for him. I doubt if he wants me to, but. Uh, um, you know, he's, he's he'll keep plugging away. He's got talent. I mean, I, it's a lot of people like to you know make fun of him and whatnot. But you don't win a world championship by accident. I know he got some help on that, but uh, I mean, he did his side. His he did his part of the job too. And um, uh, I just think that um, you know, there's still talent there. There's still a guy that's uh, willing to work hard. So we'll see what happens. And um, if not, then who knows? Maybe we'll see him somewhere else. Did, world Superbike. Did Ducati fall into the trap that Valentino 
um, kind of warned about why he didn't sign with Ducati in, in his autobiography about sometimes they're they're too Honda-like and that they convince themselves that this is the correct direction and that you'll adapt to the bike? You know, there's a very good argument to be made for that. I'm a big, big Ducati fan, but uh, one does get the impression that um, that they kind of lost faith in Marco last year. And um, I think that's one reason they really want so badly for Nikki to succeed is because they... They 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 want they want the bike to work for for you know they they want to show show that they're willing to work for a rider you know I think I think you know I mean it's it's that that attitude has been I think that, that Valentino has some has, there's some truth to what Valentino said in his book and that uh, Ducati you know they're an Italian company which normally you would think of an Italian company as being very passionate and they are passionate but. Uh, Atypically, for a for a for an Italian company, they're also pretty pragmatic and um, and have a very businesslike, methodical approach. Um, that's almost kind of more German, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think some of that comes from Claudio Domenicali, um, who is really respects companies like Porsche and um, is a very good manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, uh, I think he's right about that. Um, but I think it's 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 helped them in some ways too. I mean, I think you know. Valentino went to Yamaha, which was uh, more like, you know, it's a, the, the team is an Italian entity, uh, even though the company is Japanese, and um, he, uh, he he had immediate success uh, for a couple of years, but then, you know, like in 2006, when Nikki won, and then 2007, um, when when uh, Casey won, you can make a good case that, uh, that they're lack of structure or their more relaxed environment kind of hurt them a bit when they kind of um, maybe let a few things slip. And, sure. uh, and you know, Valentino was able to go do some Formula One testing and whatnot that was great, but maybe distracted him a little bit. And um, so, yeah, anyway, to answer your question, I think that there's probably some truth to that. And um, Ducati's challenge is going to be to see whether or not they can um, uh, make that make that environment work uh, with, and, and, and towards making that bike uh, more adaptable for more riders. Last uh, last little bit on Ducati here. Uh, obviously, Sete uh, broke his collarbone uh, again and is going to be out for at least Mugello. Um, I've, I've seen some interesting names float around of who might replace him. Uh, I did see an idea get thrown out that uh, one of your uh, contributing columnists maybe should... Uh, should uh, throw his suit back on and and, and uh, go over there, seeing as how he's like, you know, honorary Spanish anyways. Uh, you know, Rand, Randy's familiar with how to ride a Ducati. You know, maybe he can get on that bike and, that would be and do awesome, some. Yeah. I mean, come on, he, he could he could finish fifteenth, could he? Get get a pointer here. <laughs> we should have him do it on the two seater and let and let let, uh, let me ride on the back. <laughs> 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 no, that would I would pay good money to see Randy get it back out there. I mean, it sounds like uh, one of those things that's probably more like wishful thinking or just sure. a good story. You know, but uh, but I bet he could still hold his own. You know, uh, I, I I bet you if you if you call him up and say, "Hey, Randy, would you do this?" He'd he'd go, <laughs> "No." Well, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> he'd hang up and then he'd call me the next day and say, "Really? <laughs> you think yeah. I could do that?" Like, come yeah. on, Randy, you can get fifteenth place. Come on, that <laughs> would tell be me awesome. you can't go beat Mika Kalio or you know <laughs> Takahashi or somebody like that. <laughs> exactly. That would be awesome. You know, I, I don't expect it to happen. I think Randy's more into watching his kid race these days. But, um, but it, it, you know, you bring up a good point about the substitute rides. And, um, and uh, it's, it's always interesting to see 
see who gets on these bikes and uh, see what they can do. And um, there's, you know, for example, in World Superbike right now, there's some there's some uh, interesting substitute rides coming up uh, for Miller. Yep, absolutely. Um, so that's kind of where I wanted to go. I mean, we've got yeah. uh, Jamie's going to get to substitute for Tomata. Uh, Jake's going to come back and, and ride for Hopper again. Um, and is is Blake going to get that other All Star ride then? Man, I, I I this is purely speculation on my part, but uh, I think it'd be well as Matt said in the interview, it would be a good move. It probably probably won't happen at this point, just because it seems like we would have heard something more about it. Uh, if it if it were to happen, but um, it would it would uh, it would be great because I think I think that it would be I think that as Matt says in the interview, Blake um, is just kind of coming on people's radars right now, and um, and uh, it's a perfect opportunity for him to take advantage of some of these opportunities and get his name out there for international racing. Um, probably had more of a chance of happening if he hadn't hurt his finger and had to sit out in Finion, you know. Mm-hmm. But now I think uh, I think. That probably hurt the chances. You know, who knows? Tommy, uh, get him on there. But uh, you know, it's um, it's 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 one of the nice things about a spec tire rule, like in the, with the, which we now have an AMA, is that it really kind of eliminates the factor of a tire sponsor in um, switching over and doing these substitute rides, which doesn't always they, they, that factor didn't always prevent it from happening. I mean, uh, we saw Jamie do uh, MotoGP at Laguna last year, and um, and there's been some others, like uh, Roger did, did one the previous year. Mm-hmm. Even they had, you know, come uh, up as a sponsor and the team was a Bridgestone team. But um, it just makes it that much easier now. And um, and it's nice not to have that stumbling block. It's just nice to see our guys uh, get in there every once in a while and get an opportunity to dip their toe in the water of uh, world championship racing and, um, and, you know, just kind of wet their curiosity a little bit and see if uh, it's something that they might do down the road. Yep. Um, I guess lastly, we can we we probably need to talk about uh, Ben Spees and the and the year that he's had in World Superbike. I guess it's either I mean it, it either blows hot or cold for him over there, and you know sometimes it's his fault, sometimes well, you know just the the proverbial fifty cent part breaks on the shifter. Yeah, no, absolutely, you nailed it. And um, it's uh, first of all, there's it's 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 great. I mean, it's it's very very impressive how well he's done. And I think that um, he's definitely opened a lot of people's eyes over there. I think maybe. After the, the few MotoGP substitute rides that he did or wild card rides, maybe some people had kind of written him off. But that that bike was not the most competitive bike, and I think his style is maybe better suited toward uh, a, a super bike than it is toward a 800 cc you know uh, slot car. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but um, you're right that that he's either he's well. First of all, he's got he's got six uh, straight poles, which equals the record. But in the races, he's either pretty much one or put a hole in the fence and um, or, or broken, <laughs> yeah. um, and the putting a hole in the fence you can't really blame on anybody but him, which I don't think he would. But the breaking, um, it's been I think two in a row now, right? At the last in, in one of the two races at the, at the last two rounds, well, um, yeah, there was fuel, not enough fuel at Magello, but that was that was sort of I can't say, yeah. explained away. But it, I mean, legitimately, you know, you you cool your fuel to to get pack it in, and they had the red flag. Uh, yeah, you know, and it just you couldn't get as much fuel in the tank, and everyone, I guess, just barely made it across the line. So yeah, uh, but you know, it's it's that what I was going to say is that that stuff just doesn't seem to happen to the Ducati guys. Yeah. You know, it just yeah. doesn't seem to. Have, they don't break a shifter. They 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 don't run out of fuel, and um, and that go. And this is actually kind of ties into what we we're talking about before about that team being so on top of their stuff. You know, I mean, it's broken down to such a system that they've got. You know. Parts get replaced at certain intervals, and um, it just uh, it just 
the team itself functions very well. Yeah. And um, so therefore it just kind of removes that uh, variable from the equation. And when you're at that level, um, having one less variable to worry about is really helpful. As, as a rider, all you have to worry about is getting on and, t- and twisting the throttle and, and grabbing the brake lever and you don't have to yeah. worry about anything else. So, yeah. 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 The, the the last one, though, sorry, I forgot one last thing I want to talk to you about before we get out with you is uh, this crazy rumor that I saw cir- start circulating last night. Uh, Colin Edwards to Aprilia World Superbike for 2010. I didn't know that was out there yet. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's um, – I think there's been uh, conversations. Um, I think it's very early in the process. I think it's more a matter – I think Colin has said that he's, his first choice is to um, – Stay where he is, but he realizes that uh, <clears throat> there's some there's some young guys that um, are looking to come into the series next year. Whether they're a 250 rider or whether it's say Ben Spees, which I don't know for sure that Ben is interested in doing that. I actually kind of hope Ben decides to stay in World Superbike. I, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that with Colin, it's just kind of a matter of doing di- due diligence to line up, uh, see what his options are, um, and um, that. Uh, he wants to just have something in place, I mean, you know, especially with uh, with this new um, rookies rule, which is supposedly not going to allow rookies into MotoGP or MotoGP rookies to ride on a factory team. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, how competitive that Yamaha Yamaha is, that Tech Twa team seems like really uh, very very sweet um, spot. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think that Colin's smart to start looking at other options, and it would be. I mean, we saw. Troy Bayless going to MotoGP for a couple of years. He was, I think, he was older than Colin is now when he went back, or at least when he got his uh, his last couple of championships um, in World Superbike. Um, and um, so Colin sees that that bike's competitive. He knows Aprilia from his first year in MotoGP. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, it's probably very preliminary at this point, but he's smart to to, to do that. Um, and um, from what I hear, um, Chuck Axlin from International Racers was over there in Monza um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, draw what conclusions you will from that. He's, he, look at the riders they represent and uh, yep. make your own conclusions. I, I just figured of, 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 the, uh, of the riders on the Tech Twa team that might be losing their job, uh, Colin might be third on the list of, of losing their jobs over there, seeing as how... You know, his, A, his performance, and B, that he and uh, Hervé seem to be to get along quite well. So, um, yeah. yeah, as you say, Yamaha, and, and if he was going to go to World Superbike, I would see Yamaha wanting to retain him pretty pretty hard. So, true, very true. Yeah, especially if, if, if Ben were to decide to come over to MotoGP and, or if, you know, went to Tech Trois, maybe they would just do a straight swap, you know? Swap, yep. So. Well, hey, Chris, we've kept you for a long time, and we, we do appreciate your time here. Thanks for, thanks for spending us here on, on Rumble Strip Radio, and um, we'll definitely want to be uh, catching up with you here uh, in, in the not-too-distant future. Well, it's always a pleasure, and you're doing a great job with the show, and I appreciate you having me on. Cool. Thank you very much, Chris. All right. Have a good one. So once again, thanks uh, go out to Chris Jottam of Road Racer Rex for spending all that time with us here. And I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, again, I'm trying to trying to get back up on the cycle and trying to line up some people for for interviews. I know everyone likes it when I can. Uh, maybe not every show have one, but certainly on a regular basis have some guests on the show. With that, we're going to get out of here. Uh, do it. Uh, remind you that you can head on over to the website, which is rumblestripradio.com. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, via your favorite RSS reader. You can donate to the show. 
you can leave us feedback on the website as well for the different uh, for the different episodes if you so choose, or you can just send it on over to us at rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well. Uh, let you know that Rumblestrip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. I promise it won't be so long till we get to the uh, next episode. So uh, enjoy this week's outro music. Um, heard this about a week ago. It was the first time in a while I'd heard it. I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. That's not Creative Commons license. This is just a kick-ass song from maybe this band's best uh it was their debut album and maybe their their best album. So until I talk to you again next time, have fun, be good, most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon. Bye-bye. A little bit better than you.